What is up, wrestling fans? It's that time of the week for them boys from 607 Podcast to call talk all things pro wrestling and call it right down the middle. That's right, it's time for this week's edition of 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show. Better known as 607TWS. This week we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. I am the host here at 607TWS, but more importantly, I'm the host of the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich, and joining me as he does in the co-pilot chair each and every week, you know him as a co-host here, but he is the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? Let's talk some pro wrestling, shall we? You know, last week I was kind of a half-assed liar, and I said, ah, we don't have that much to talk about this week. Yeah. And we ended up having a lot to talk about last week. Not not, not like the weeks before, a couple weeks before that. Lots and lots. Right, lots right, lots. right. But... This week, I really mean it. There's only two segments. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's not a lot of indie stuff going down. Uh, believe it or not, yeah, we're on the road to WrestleMania, but there's not a lot of like earth-shattering things going on in, in World Wrestling Entertainment right now. We're just basically building the road. Obviously, I'm not going to take the time every week to go, oh, my God, we just made this match, mm-hmm. because obviously we have a gigantic WrestleMania preview show coming up in less than a month. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, there's that, and then, of course, there's all the indie companies, plus Impact Wrestling and AEW slash Ring of Honor and New Japan, all gearing up towards WrestleMania weekend. So there's a lot to talk about coming up in the future. So there's no reason to just keep beating the dead horse, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, so here at 607 TWS, we're not going to waste your time talking about how Vince McMahon is probably in the back <laughs> at the Boston uh, Garden or whatever it's called these days. Is it the, is this still the, the TK. TK or is it TD, TD Waterhouse uh, yep. Center? It used to be the Boston Garden back in the day. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. I know it's a different building. Right, but it's but still always the garden. It's always going to be the Boston Garden to me, folks. Uh, but yeah, with the parquet floor. Remember mm. the original parquet the floor, real, not the fake yeah, one yeah, they yeah. have now. I'm talking about the original, the, the real old one. That was that's the that's the fucking Boston I remember. But anyways, why wouldn't Vince McMahon be in attendance when he lives in Connecticut and John Cena's on the show? This doesn't mean he's working. Which we all know is not happening. Right. No matter man, how much everybody's keep, spending that. But man, for $5, Sean Ross Sapp will tell you all about it. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Oof. It works for some people. I mean, I there's part of me that sometimes wish I could be a shyster and a charlatan and not call things right down the middle. I wish I really could do it. Because, man, we would be making money. We could quit our day jobs. I know. Maybe maybe I'll fold this at some point in juncture. We'll start a completely new wrestling show <laughs> and a completely. I mean, you write articles. I can teach myself to write articles, and maybe we'll just go into fleecing people in the wrestling realm. Oh my god! I know we're talking about this out loud, and the fans are like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Don't worry, and we're not going to do it. If we were going to do that, I would have done that years Long ago. Long time ago. I mean, I didn't check the number of this, but I'm sure we're in the 160s for TWS. I mean, this, 170. This, are we at 170? Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus. We've been doing this a long time. Yes. If you do the math, that's once a week for you know 52 weeks a year. We're in like year, almost year four of this podcast. Right. You're, I mean, year five of fucking, well, technically the fifth year anniversary for the 3FN podcast is coming up in April. Mm-hmm. You know, so what, you know, the weird part about that is that that's the completion of five full years. It's not that the year five starts there. It's actually technically year six starts there. So I've been fucking podcasting for almost six years next month. It's a crazy thing to think about. Yeah, no, think about it. We have our anniversary coming up in June. 
Yeah, and you guys are about seven, eight. Yep. Yeah, but which is funny because when we think about it, we're like, oh, it's the fifth anniversary, and you're like, oh, you know, five years, and you're like, no, 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 no. Technically, that starts year six. Yeah, that's five completed years. <laughs> so, eh, we were just—I was just putting up the three uh, FN podcast for our patrons on Patreon because, as most of you know, when we record this at the normal time, we record six hundred seven TWS on Monday nights, right after I record the three FN podcast for the week. And I do believe the number was two hundred fifty-six, and that's just of the three FN podcast propers. Yeah, the flagship. That's not the bonus episodes. That's not including, you know, three FNW, whether it was when that was the actual original three FN wrestling show or whether when we changed it to three FN weekend when we were doing two pop culture shows a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's, so there's a lot of extra content. Uh, the original, the first hundred episodes of 607 TWS are on the three FN podcast feed. Yep. I think if you look at my podcast feed, it's like six or 700 fucking <laughs> shows. It's, it's ridiculous. So there's a lot of talk, and that's not even counting Patreon exclusive stuff or anything else that never saw the light of day. Yeah. Because we've done some live stuff that wasn't even recorded. It was never meant to be recorded. Uh, you know, contrary to popular belief, we don't have to record. Then we also did uh, stuff for live streams. Mm-hmm. Which so, live stream for The Cure coming up in May, too. Yeah, big stuff coming up. Got to figure out what I'm doing there, what we're doing there, I should yeah. say. <laughs> God damn, got a lot of stuff going on, folks. But I'm glad that you guys are on for the ride. I know that we're just pontificating about things, but hey... It's been a crazy week. I'm kind of tired. I'm a little wired. If you, you know, Nick Cage from Gone 60 Seconds, uh, because man, we had the UFC fights on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, thank the Lord that John Jones blessed us with a short fight. So yes. we were done by like <laughs> one o'clock. And thankfully, on Sunday night, AEW Revolution ended right before midnight. I, I, I came home at 12.05. You dropped me off at my house at 12.05. I know. So that means the show must have Minor ended at like 11.50. Miracle. So yeah. I, was, I was fucking happier than pigs and shit. I'm just going to throw that out there. Get You get a fucking free point, Tony Khan, for getting me home just after midnight. Mm-hmm. Just after midnight. So, uh, But still, tiring. I had to get up and work and all that happy jazz uh, today. So if, you, if, I, if I get off in the weeds, kind of reel me back in. But for the show today, let's start talking about what we're going to talk about. we only got two segments for you today. Opening segment, we're going to be talking about the Indie Roundup. Game Changer Wrestling had a huge weekend from the carousel room at the showboat in Atlantic City, New Jersey. We're going to talk about the three shows there. One JCW show, two GCW shows. And we'll also be talking about Wrestling Revolvers Return to Iowa drip which was one of my favorite wrestling events of the weekend uh then there's a just one show that's uh, coming up this upcoming weekend on uh, around fight so we'll uh, kind of talk about that a little bit before taking the only break of the show and coming back to give you our full-on review of all elite wrestling's revolution 2023 i know that we thought that it was uh on paper it did not look good mm-hmm. At the end of the day though i'm gonna give you guys a little spoiler it wasn't bad Better than expected. It was it was way above better than expected. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that because I was expecting it to be like a D show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it outshined that by going a bit. And I'm not going to lie about it, folks. I thought it was, it was uh, we'll talk about it in depth along with some news coming out of Revolution in the second half of the show. But before we can get there, tell the fine folks, Ken M, how to find yourself and the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page, along with the T Public store link, the Patreon link, one tier, $2 a month, and a lot of content on the way. 
Parley Points blog section, the classified section where you find friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, and a lot more. The directory, the music section, basically if it's everything and anything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And if you would like to get a hold of me or the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. Go to 3FNPodcast.com. There you can find all of the social media links, the Patreon link, patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast. For as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content, but you also get all that we do early. So if there's a special, like coming up, we are doing a Scream 6 review after we see it this week that is not going to be on the main show because Diesel doesn't watch horror movies, although we do occasionally do them on the main show. Mm -hmm. But we're going to do one featuring Ken. You get on Patreon first. It's going to come out to the masses, but it's going to go to Patreon first. Just like the 3FN podcast, you get it uncut, unedited, and uncooked for the uncooked edition each and every week. So you get a bonus shit that nobody else gets. Plus, you get it the night that we record. I just send it out. Boom. It's done. Plus, you get three, count them, three bonus shows a month. You get we love movies mm-hmm. where we take movies that patrons send in we raffle through them in a raffler and then we watch them and review them and then we have the two set shows where we come up with the schedule and that of course is the 3fn horror show where we review a horror movie once a month an older horror movie and also 3fn rewind where we review an older movie every month so there you go and this 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 year we're doing 1983 because I just turned 40 and I was born in 1983. So we're doing whatever movie came, what a movie that came out in the month that it is from 1983. So 40th anniversary is all the way around. So I'll tell you what, we're ending the year with Scarface. That's all I know. I forgot oh, the rest of the list. Way. But I know that came out in December of 1983 and that is how we're ending the year. So you guys have a long, long ride. I know there's a, uh, a Chuck Norris movie and everything in there. So great shit coming down. Great shit. Just throwing it out there. I know I'm putting myself over, but whatever. Also, while you're there, make sure you check out Friends of the Show, like the ODPH. Also, you can check out the musical directory, which features bands like Floodlands, whose song Ruins is our theme song here for 607 TWS. You hear it at the beginning of every show every week. And, of course, our good friends over at Second Suitor, whose song One Winged Angel ends the show every week. And not only is it a song about New Japan Pro Wrestling, not only is it a song about Kenny Omega, but also Tyler, the lead singer of the band, also a pro wrestler. Yeah. Kind of go figure. Wrestling is all over the place with a good friend, Second Studio. But if you want to check out any of those bands or any of the other bands that we have listed that help us and provide us with music, go ahead and check out that musical directory and support them on Spotify, YouTube Music, and Bandcamp, or wherever you get great independent music, brother. Also, while you're there, check out the sponsors who help bring these shows to you commercial-free every week, including our main sponsor here, Dragon Master Games. For all your Magic the Gathering gaming needs, visit DragonMasterGames.com on the World Wide Web. While you're there, check out Sci-Fi Horror Fest, SciFiHorrorFest.com. If you're in the 607 and you want your car clean, Rex the Rods, auto detailing, of course, W Energy Drinks, D-U-B-B-Y.G-G. For 10% off of your order, put in the promo code 3FNPOD. That's the number 3FNPOD, 10% off. And if you like it, that code works each and every time you do it. So thank you for our sponsors that bring you these shows commercial free. And we just had a conversation on Patreon, me and Diesel, about whether, or actually I think it might have been on the proper show, where we were discussing whether that counted as a commercial when I plug it. I'm like, no, because... If it was a commercial, during the breaks, you would get commercials. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or this is sponsored by this. You know, we do some of that, but it's not commercials. So I say commercial free, folks. Commercial free. But you didn't hear come here to hear me talk about commercial free. You didn't hear for me to talk about how my weekend went and how tired myself and Ken M are. No, 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 no. You came here to hear us talk about some pro wrestling. So Ken M, check your watch, because I believe... Damn, the bell did not want to ring. <laughs> Just like GCW, I do not use a real ring bell. So, damn it. Technology. Anyways, with that, 
Let's talk about some wrestling. Let's talk about some pro grappling, Ken M. And let's talk about Fight Plus first now. Because Fight.TV brings you the Indie Roundup each and every week. And more specifically, Fight Plus. And we did do our due diligence. Fight Plus is now $7.99 a month. If you already ordered it when we told you to order it before, you are grandfathered in at $4.99 and it won't change as long as you don't cancel. However, if you did not, it only raised up by a couple bucks. It's still worth it. The best deal for independent pro wrestling, bar none. And it's sub ten dollars. That's all you need to know. And it, it's worth more than that. Mm-hmm. You know, what? I would pay twenty dollars for this service. Hell, knowing what I used to pay for GCW shows, I would pay thirty dollars for this service. Yeah, because not only do you get GCW, you get a plethora of great independent pro wrestling on top of combat sports, on top of boxing, on top of so much more. And the price point is perfect. Even if it's $2 more, you still are getting value for your subscription. Absolutely, Ken M. Well, with that, thank you, Fight.TV and Fight Plus for sponsoring the Indie Roundup. And uh, the first show, ironically enough, is, was not on <laughs> Fight Plus. <laughs> it was on the Game Changer Wrestling YouTube channel, which you can watch for completely free. And that was because it was Jersey Championship Wrestling presents March Madness 2023. And that was, like I said, was from Atlantic City, New Jersey, in the carousel room at the showboat. And this is the first of three GCW shows. We're to talk about it right in a row before switching over to Wrestling Revolver. Are you ready? Let's do it. Your opening contest for March Madness was a tag team match where Wasted Youth Dylan McKay and Marcus Mathers defeated Gabriel Sky and Too Hot Steve Scott in 11 minutes and 12 seconds. Second match on the card, the Cambodian Dragon Yoya defeated Carlos Romo in 9 minutes and 33 seconds. In your third match in a tag team extravaganza, the main event, J-Line and Midas Black defeated Young, Dumb, and Broke, Charlie Tiger and Ellis Taylor, in 10 minutes and 53 seconds. It's always nice to see the House of Glory World Tag Team Champions in action. Absolutely. Uh, Griffin McCoy pulls the upset as he defeated the Mecca in 10 minutes and 8 seconds. Was not expecting this one. Joshua Bishop returned to Jersey Championship Wrestling, and he conquered Big Fucking Vin. That match got 8 minutes and 21 seconds. Two big hosses slapping meat. You got what you paid for there. The Prize City OG, the Busta Killer, the Northeast Beast, Alec Price defeated CPA in 10 minutes and 22 seconds. By the way, it it always ceases to amaze me how many button-up shirts CPA can put on. Yeah. Next, we had a uh, a war, if you will, as Sawyer Wreck defeated Bam Sullivan in 11 minutes and 41 seconds. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. And in a best two out of three falls match, Billy Stark, Space Jesus, defeated Janai Kai two falls to one. This match got 12 minutes and 15 seconds. Great bit of action. And of course, Griffin McCoy stepped out of line and is now looking to challenge his former young, dumb, and broke partner, Won Jordan Oliver for the JCW Championship. Yeah, but the match like uh, with Billy and Janai, that was awesome. Oh, it was a great match. Actually, overall, the JCW show is mm-hmm. great. If you've not seen JCW, you can get all their shows, their past shows even, on the Game Changer Wrestling YouTube channel. I will point this out. Good good action going on. And you know what? Jordan Oliver's fine. And mo' money, mo' problems. Yes. When, you, when you're the champ, everybody's gunning. Let's now switch gears, talk about Game Changer Wrestling, because that same night, uh, GCW presented Holy Smokes also from the Carousel Room at the Showboat in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Your opening contest was the classic GCW six-way scramble match. Uh, Gringo Loco defeated Alec Price, Carlos Romo, Grim Reefer, Jimmy Lloyd, and Shane Mercer in seven minutes and 15 seconds. This was high action and impact. 
One of the best scramble matches I've seen. Absolutely. Grim Reefer making a return. We haven't seen him in a little bit. Love seeing him. Next up, the JCW Championship was on the line as your champion, the East Coast Ace Jordan Oliver, defended the title against, and this was a surprise because I didn't see this mark before, Alex Coughlin. Yeah. Coming out of that New Japan dojo. You know him from New Japan Strong if you're watching New Japan Strong. Of course, he's known as the Android. Mm -hmm. By the way, how cool is his entrance get up? So dope. Uh, this match got 18 minutes and 11 seconds at the end of the day, and still your JCW champion, the East Coast Ace Jordan Oliver. Big win. Huge win. Loved this match. Next up, we had All Heart Blake Christian defeat Akira in nine minutes and three seconds. I would love to tell you that this was a fair fight, but it's Blake Christian. Yeah. Next up. For the Game Changer Wrestling Extreme Championship. By the way, belt was missing. <laughs> I don't know if Joey Janela lost it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I, I, he was saying that it might be a loss. I don't know. Uh, the bad boy Joey Janela, your GCW Extreme Champion, uh, defending the title against making her debut here in Game Changer Wrestling all the way from DDT Pro, Venny. This match got 16 minutes, 33 seconds at the end of the day, and still your Game Changer Wrestling Extreme Champion, the bad boy Joey Janela. Great, great match, great debut. Yeah, I was going to say, great match all around. Next up, one of uh, Charles Mason's mercenaries. He went to the well, he got himself some Slade, took on Effie, Effie Doe is fine, and Effie mm. wins in 9 minutes and 19 seconds. Yes. Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Championships on the line. Your champions, Los Maciso, Ciclope, and Miedo Extremo, uh, defending against what a team that I believe should be in the Indie Wrestling Hall of Fame, and I will do believe will be in shortly, the SAT's mm -hmm. Joel Maximo and Jose Maximo, 12 minutes and 49 seconds at the end of the day, and still your game, Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Champions, Los Macisos, the uh, third title, or the fourth title reign, sorry, still going strong after night one. They had a big challenge night two. We'll find out soon enough if they kept those belts. Next up in a what I can only call my match of the weekend. And mind you, there was a lot of matches that I loved. Mm -hmm. This match, I think, is the match of the weekend. This is the match on the map. The man who is your AAA mega champion, El Hijo del Vikingo, defeated the returning sauce, Alex Zane, 23 minutes and three seconds. Is there, there's nothing that Vikingo can't do. Oh, my God. This whole match was just incredible. Dude, first of all, Alex Zane's incredible. You put two guys out there that can control their bodies and do the crazy shit these mm -hmm. two guys do. It was a barn burner. It was my match of the weekend. And that's there's a lot of great action. Revolution had great action, uh, like we said. So AEW there. We're going to talk about Wrestling Revolver. The whole There's a whole second night for GCW. And I, a bar none, this is my favorite match. Yeah, this one definitely stole the show. I got to go with you, too. This is my match of the weekend as well. Next up for the Game Changer Wrestling Ultra Violent Championship, your champion making her return to Game Changer Wrestling from Japan, Rina Yamasha, defending the title against the up-and-coming Deathmatch Queen. And I, I have very good pride and awesome that I can say that. Casey Kirk, this match got 18 minutes and 55 seconds at the end of the day, and still your Game Changer Wrestling Ultra Violent Champion, Rina Yamasha. Uh, Casey Kirk, though. I, I say she's the American queen of the deathmatch. Mm -hmm. Amazing show out here. Her and Rena showing that women also belong in the deathmatch game. Absolutely. Phenomenal match. Next up, the return of one of our favorite MDK affiliates of all time, Maki Ito. And you know what? She defeated the legendary Indie Wrestling Hall of Famer, Lufisto, 10 minutes and 44 seconds. 
this is this was just awesome. By the way, it never gets old hearing <laughs> yep. uh, Maki Ito yell MDK all fucking day. Yes. I just want to throw that out there. And in your main event of the evening, in a fucking death match. By the way, for his final death Yo. match, Drew Parker went one-on-one with the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch. This match got 14 minutes and 50 seconds, and it was a blood fest. At the end of the day, John Wayne Murdoch gets the win. But, man, it was a great match, great moment. Godspeed to Drew Parker and everything he's going to do in the future. Unfortunately, Drew got injured during said yeah. match and could not wrestle the next night. Originally, he was supposed to uh, wrestle against Speedball Mike Bailey. There was a replacement. We'll talk about that in a minute. How did you feel about Drew Parker's last death match against the Duke of Hardcore? Man, talk about leaving it all in the ring. This was just everything I was expecting with it. Um, what can you say? Phenomenal run in the death match circuit. And you know if you go if he ever comes back, listen, I'm not mad about it, but really a, a great way to go out. I agree, even with the loss. Doesn't I definitely matter. agree, and I'm sure we're going to see more of him as he's pointed out. After he gets healthy, he's going to come back. He wants to wrestle, and then we say regular style, but you know, not deathmatch wrestling. Mm. All right, one more GCW show that went down on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. GCW presents Ransom, also from the Carousel Room at the Showboat in Atlantic City. Let's talk about it. First up, classic. GCW six-way scramble. In this case, the East Coast Beast, Alec Price defeated Carlos Romo, Gabriel Sky, Gringo Loco, Jimmy Lloyd, and Yoya. Seven minutes and 31 seconds. Another great scramble match to kick off a show. Yeah, I mean, the perfect way to start the card. Well, we mentioned it before. Speedball Mike Bailey still in action, and he defeated the Iron Demon Shane Mercer. 14 minutes and 42 seconds. It was nice to see Shane Mercer in a wrestling match. Yeah, this was a great match. Uh, definitely one that kind of flew under my radar, but man, when I saw this, I was like, okay, how is this going to work? Work perfectly. Next up, the Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Championships were on the line as your champions, Los Macisos, Ciclope and Miedo Extreme are defending the titles against the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban. This match, only 8 minutes and 45 seconds, which was a shocker. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, and your new Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Champions, the Motor City Machine Guns, and that would be their third tag team championship that I can name. As they are Game Changer Wrestling Tag Team Champions, NJPW Strong Tag Team Champions, and of course Impact Wrestling ta- or Tag Team Champions, yes. I mean, we have new belt collectors. I mean, what else can you say? I mean, this match was phenomenal, uh, even though it was short, but I can't be mad about the Motor City Machine Guns winning belts and having more of them in GCW. Absolutely. Next up, we had a fucking death match between the number one contender for the GCW World's Championship, Masha Slamovich, and the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch. Six minutes and 35 seconds. Masha Slamovich comes out with the big time victory. How'd you feel about the match? Very solid match. Next, we had a six. Six woman. It says six man on here, but it's a six woman tag team extravaganza. And the team of Maki Ito, Rina Yamasha, and Venny defeated Space Jesus, Billy Starks, Janai Kai, and Sawyer Wreck in 18 minutes and 56 seconds. And all six of these women left it in the ring. It was fucking great. Yeah, this is a phenomenal match. Great match. Everything you were looking for. There was violence between Sawyer Wreck and Rina Yamasha. I can't wait to see that singles match. Got to happen. Uh, Maki Ito and Billy Starks had a good uh, little back and forth. Mm-hmm. Venny and Janai Kai, they all broke down. I mean, everybody kind of touched everybody. But when it broke down to those, I would love to see a singles match between those. Absolutely. Next up for the JCW Championship, your champion, the East Coast H, Jordan Oliver, uh, took on Blake Christian, and uh, this match got 7 minutes and 58 seconds, and uh, Jordan Oliver wins by disqualification, 
And a heel turn for Speedball Mike Bailey? Yeah, I, I, I still haven't wrapped my head around this whole thing. Well, you know what's weird is the crowd in Atlantic City started booing him on Saturday and continued to boo him on Sunday before it. I feel like the Atlantic City crowd turns people heel. Yeah. It, the same it, thing happened with Blake. Blake was getting cheered everywhere but Atlantic City, and then he turned full heel. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's something about the carousel room or just you know being back in the home turf at GCW. Like Weird things are happening now. Well, nah, we had a championship matchup next. I can't wait. I'm assuming we're going to have a three-way for the JCW title at some point. And guess who wins there? We do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's move on with the card for the game for the Game Changer Wrestling Extreme Championship. Your champion, the bad boy Joey Janela, defended that title against the other Kirk, Brandon Kirk. Uh, I don't know if Casey was originally going to do it. And then, you know, obviously she had a hell of an ultraviolet match the day before. But, you know, either way, it's always good to see Brendan Kirk. This match got 13 minutes and 38 seconds at the end of the day. And still the Game Changer Wrestling Extreme Champion, Joey Janela. I can't wait till they just morph the titles together because I think it's really weird that we have the ultraviolet belt and the extreme title. Yeah, it's going to happen sooner than later. Next up, we had an amazing four-way tag team extravaganza. And this is definitely going to have, in my opinion, title implications. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's throw it out there. The Bang Bros... Uh, August, Matthews, and Davey Bang took on Second Gear Crew, One Called Manders, and Mance Warner, Wasted Youth, Dylan McKay, and Marcus Mathers, and the Young, Dumb, and Broke team of Charlie Tiger and Alice Taylor. This match was wrestled to a no contest in 10 minutes and 44 seconds. They lost all fucking control. Yeah. I think it's really sad because all those teams, young up-and-comers, you got the new champions. There's a lot of challengers there. Tag division and Game Changer Wrestling is strong. Yes, well, obviously, a little implications to what's coming on this weekend. Oh, absolutely. Next up, though, because, yeah, I, IWS got, got involved to throw mm-hmm. that match out. Of course, this upcoming weekend, there's a show we'll be talking about in a little bit. In the main event of the evening, though, we had the goal, the, the definition of grudge match. And it was in a steel fucking cage. Alley Catch got her hands on Charles Mason. This match got 25 minutes and 30 seconds at the end of the day. Allie Catch takes out Charles Mason. Uh, let me tell you, I've seen a lot of cage matches. I've seen a lot of grudge matches. Mm-hmm. This match was phenomenal. Allie Catch, god damn. I mean, we all knew Allie was good. But woo, she let it fly in this match. Charles Mason, give the devil his due. Went out there and fucking had a match. They turned it up another gear. Absolutely. I didn't, you know, like I say, Allie, we, we've been praising her for months now, if not years. She really took it to a different level here. And, and, you know, same thing with Charles Mason. I think they understood the the main event status and really wanted to put an exclamation point on this weekend, and they damn sure did. Well, you can go back and watch both of those Game Changer Wrestling uh, events on Fight Plus if you didn't already. And if you didn't sign up, sign up, and you can watch them. They're there already, and you can watch them whenever you want. Of course, the JCW Show you can watch on the Game Changer Wrestling YouTube channel. We are we will be talking about a Game Changer Wrestling show in a minute when we preview a show, but we got one more show to review that you can also find on Fight Plus. It also went down on Saturday, 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 uh, March the 4th, and that's uh, Pro Wrestling Revolver was back with the event Drip coming to you from Clive, Iowa and the Horizon Event Center. Are you ready to talk about some Revolver? Absolutely. You want to talk about opening hot for the Revolver Championship. And it was a street fight. Your champion, Steve Macklin, defended the title against Rich Swan. This match got 10 minutes and 49 seconds at the end of the day. And still Revolver champion, Steve Macklin. And they beat the piss out of each other. 
it was everything I was expecting and more. They couldn't wait to fight. If you can't get along, you must get it on. And they definitely did. Next up for the NWA World Historic Welterweight title in a three-way match, your champion Rocky Romero defending the title against the Firestarter, Jake Chris, and one of the baddest dudes on the planet, Lince Dorado. Mm. This match got eight minutes and 12 seconds at the end of the day. And still your NWA World Historic Welterweight champion, Azuka Rocky Romero. Nice to see him in action, too. Absolutely. Hey, we, we said this was going to be a Haas fight. It sure the fuck was. One call, Manders defeated Crash Jackson, 7 minutes and 54 seconds. Ooh, this was absolutely brutal. So, the next contest was for the Pro Wrestling Revolver Remix Championship and also for the Prestige title because mm-hmm. they're both held by one man, and that man is one half of the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley. If you have not seen Revolver, you should. Alex Shelley is playing an amazing heel these days. Yes. So uh, he was defending against the monster hunter, Matthew Palmer, and basically asked him what kind of match he wanted. Of course, Palmer wanted some kind of no DQ match. But uh, Alex Shelley said, not today, maybe next time, as this match was a 15-minute time limit match. Hmm. That's what it was. He hmm. wanted a 15-minute time limit. However... He didn't just run the buzzer out because at 13 minutes and 38 seconds, your winner and still Pro Wrestling Revolver Remix champion and prestige wrestling champion, Alex Shelley. I mean, Shelley is doing no wrong right now. I'm loving this uh, remix title defense. Yeah. He asks his opponent what they want to do and then just blows it off. Yes. It's great. Uh, Next up, we had a singles match where Madman Fulton with Matthew uh, Reinholt in this corner. That's right. Isn't that weird? We haven't seen him like yeah, in a it's wrestling. That's a weird combo. We haven't seen him in like a wrestling persona for a little while. No, because he's just been doing what commentary, commentary. on Impact. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyways, he's now matching up with Madman Fullen. He defeated Dan the Dad in five minutes and three seconds. Well, we had a six-person tag team extravaganza. As the unit, JT Dunn, Logan James, and Tyler Matrix defeated the Death Dolls, Jessica, Rosemary, and Taya Valkyrie in 8 minutes and 37 seconds. Great match. The tremendous match. Death Dolls are great. Mm. The unit's great. Next up, in a first-time-ever match, Johnny Revolver <laughs> defeated Ninja Kamikaze Mac in 12 minutes and 1 second. And this match was everything we hoped for. This is my second favorite match of the weekend. This was awesome. Now, next, we had another first time ever. Well, it's first time in a long time, because technically they did wrestle once before. Kushida defeated Jonathan Gresham in nine minutes and two seconds. I mean, what can you say? (laughs) And in the main event of the evening, it was a three-way tag team match for the Pro Wrestling Revolver Tag Team Championships. Your champion, the Bullet Club, Ace Austin and Chris Bay, with Gia Miller in their corner, defended the titles against the second gear crew team of Vance Warner and Matthew Justice and the Rascals team of Trey Miguel and Zachary Wentz. This match got 19 minutes, 44 seconds. And at the end of the day, your new Pro Wrestling Revolver Tag Team Champions, the Rascals. What's your thoughts? Surprised at the outcome, but listen, not mad about it as, uh, at all. This was a great match. By the way, uh, Drip was tremendous. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it already, I suggest you go to Fight Plus and order and get some Drip in your life. Well, this upcoming weekend, there's not much going on on Fight Plus, but there is one show going down on March 11th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and that, of course, is IWS, International Wrestling Syndicate, and Game Changer Wrestling present 
unsanctified. It is a versus. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be IWS people against GCW people. There's not been a full card announced. However, I can tell you that Sawyer Wreck will represent GCW and take on the pro wrestling, independent pro wrestling, sorry, Hall of Famer Lufisto representing IWS. Benjamin Tull representing IWS will take on the our favorite asshole, Tony Deppin, representing Game Changer Wrestling. Also, Speedball Mike Bailey is in action. And he declared for IWS. He did. Not for GCW. He's wrestling for IWS. And on top of that, we've got Mance Warner, Rena Yamasha, Nick Wayne, Green Phantom, Sexy Eddie, Melanie Havoc, Casanova Productions, and so many more on this card. The whole card has not been announced yet. There is a Team GCW versus a Team IWS four-on-four match. I don't know if that's elimination or not, but we know it's happening. There's a bunch of other tag matches. This is going to be a fun time. These verses sometimes are great uh, because it's nice that uh, Game Changer Wrestling uses you know, goes to different areas where the top dog is. This is in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Mm-hmm. And IWS is one of the best uh, wrestling groups in Canada and definitely the best one in Montreal. And now you get Game Changer Wrestling up there giving you the rub of the the biggest indie, if you will, in, in the world. So. No, absolutely. I mean, it shows the impact that GCW is making, that the fact they can go into other territories like this and really put on a stellar card. Like I say, Speedball Mike Bailey versus Gringo Loco, who's going to be representing GCW in that match. That could be a match of the weekend, match of the year candidate, to be honest with you. Absolutely. And, of course, we're right around the corner from Gringo Loca presents the World on Lucha mm-hmm. coming down wrestling WrestleMania weekend for the collective and Game Changer Wrestling. So much more. There's a ton of stuff. Game Changer Wrestling is coming in their big time of year. We also have a huge show coming up the weekend after in New York City yeah. on St. Paddy's Day where Masha Slamovich will challenge Nick fucking Gage for the Game Changer Wrestling World's Championship. There's a lot of great shows coming up from Game Changer Wrestling because it's that season where they're they're knocking out of the park. The collective's always great every fucking year. And we're going to be locked in. And guess what? This year, you don't have to pay like we have in the past. $130 to $160 for the collective. And it was worth it when we were paying for it. But now you get it for that $7.99 a month on Fight Plus. So Amazing. I can never complain. And now you know why I said I would pay more than what I'm paying. Absolutely. It's the best deal in independent pro wrestling, bar none. Also, West Coast Pro had a huge show where they crowned Masha Slamovich as their first ever uh, West Coast Pro Women's Champion this past oh, week nice. as well over on IWTV. So check that out for $9.99 a month. Uh, just giving them a quick shout out. I'm a big fan of West Coast Pro. I didn't get to see the full show. I did get to see the finals, and I did get to see Masha's win. Unfortunately, uh, uh, we had a busy weekend between the UFC and, and AEW, so I got to go back and watch that full show. That's why I'm not giving you a full breakdown of that. But, man, keep your eye out there as well. Listen, I have no problem saying, if you're a fan of places like All Elite Wrestling, you know, that you're going to be a fan of West Coast Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Very good company. Well, with that being said, let's talk about AEW because we're going to take a break. When we come back from our one and only break of this show, we are going to break down and review all Elite Wrestling's Revolution 2023 pay-per-view and the fallout and what we're predicting to be fallout as well after our one and only break.
wrestling fans, are you ready? Let's get ready to rumble! That's right, let's rumble, let's get ready, it's time for the main event of this week's edition of 607 TWS, and it's time to talk some All Elite Wrestling, Ken M. Let's do this. It's time, and more importantly, it's time to talk some AEW Revolution going down this past Sunday uh, in front of 9,000 people. That's what the paid attendance was, uh, it looks like here, uh, according to the internets, in the Chase Center in San Francisco, California. Uh, It went down at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We were very nervous about the timing, but I want to be honest with you. It ended before midnight Eastern Standard Time, so I'm very proud of that. Yeah, that already boosted a letter grade. Also, the... (laughs) It, it's there's so much going on with this show. Let's break it down. Let's talk about. It. Let's dive in. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. In the pre-show during zero hour, which I'm glad that they didn't call it the uh, buy-in. Mm-hmm. It was zero hour this time. Uh, we had a six-man tag team extravaganza as Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Bros, Penta El Zero Mado and Ray Phoenix defeated. Aria Davari and the Varsity Athletes, Josh Woods and Tony Nice, with Smart Mark Sterling in their corner. Twelve minutes and fifty seconds. Solid opener, just you know. It was what it was. It was just there for the crowd. It was. It, it, I. I don't give it really any importance, but I'm not taking anything away from the show. It was on the pre-show, and it was nice to have something different. They they were having a, some audio problems in the beginning of the mm-hmm. show, which they got sorted out thankfully. But there was a little while where there's an echo because they were just recording the mic in the house. I don't know if it's because it's a new building because the Chase Center is new. You're right. I'm not sure, but they got it all fixed. But. I was, it wasn't bad for what it was. It was a pre-show match. No, I would like to have seen another pre-show match on there, too, because I thought they drug on a little too much with the interview segments after. Yeah, I don't think that they... Yeah, I think that they planned it a little poorly there. But it yeah. is what it is. Right. And next up, let's start the show. The first match of the show was a match where the Jericho Appreciation Society was banned from ringside. Chris Jericho taking on Ricky Starks. This match got 13 minutes and 35 seconds. At the end of the day, absolute Ricky Starks defeats Chris Jericho via pinfall after a Rochambeau. However, my issue isn't with this match. The match was fine. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's get it. I'm going to be honest with you. The match was fine. Um, you know, Starks is a good, great wrestler. Jericho, legendary wrestler. You know, they went out there and they had a good match. Right. I'm not going to say it was great. I wasn't over the top. I do have one problem with this match. Jericho Appreciation Society banned from ringside. Mm-hmm. Right before the finish, Sammy Guevara comes running out from the back. Right. And then gets cut off by Action and Dreddy. Mm-hmm. They brawl to the back. Thankfully, no interference happens. But if the stipulation says no JAS at ringside, and a JAS member comes to ringside, whether they're cut off or not, shouldn't there be some kind of punishment? That's what I was thinking. And the only thing, and granted, okay. I don't buy this as an excuse, but I'm just going to say something I noticed. Do you remember what Sammy was wearing coming to the ring? He was wearing an inner circle vest. Right. So was he going to try spinning? Oh, I'm not part of the JAS. This is inner circle. So what I'm fearing is going to happen, and and I guess it's not really fearing. I guess their explanation would be maybe they're going to try to suspend him or whatever on Wednesday on Dynamite, and that is going to be the argument, hence wearing the inner circle. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. But it makes no sense. It made no sense, and then especially Action Andretti was wearing the crowd, so he caught him coming out. like Like it was too telegraphed for what it needed to be. So that was that. I agree with you. I didn't like how that was, and then for the match, I thought was very solid. I thought the block to the Judas effect was interesting. That was cool. That was yeah. Like that I said, cool. that was cool. That was something that stood out, stood out to me. I liked even the like the interference, if you will, because it was an interference. Nobody got involved. They, he just ran on the ringside. I help. I liked how that really didn't decide the winner of the match. Yeah. 
Like we still got another couple minutes before the finish. So it wasn't that it took away from the match or anything. I just, it's weird to me when you go, Hey, here's the stipulation. And then you break the stipulation. I, right. I just don't like it's the optics look bad. So I'm saying but no, I agree. they can fix it on dynamite. I think they'll, I think that's what they're going to do. Cause I caught that it was an inner circle vest. Yeah. I'm sure Tony or somebody's going to say, Hey, listen, you were said you couldn't go to ringside, but I wasn't a JS didn't I'm an inner circle member. I, I, I know it's coming. Yeah. That's they what I'm telegra- They kind of telegraphed it. All right. Next up. Second match of the night in a final burial match. Jungle Boy Jack Perry, although for some reason Tony Schiavone couldn't say his name, yeah. took on Christian Cage to blow off their feud. This match got 14 minutes and 50 seconds. At the end of the day, Jungle Boy Jack Perry defeats Christian Cage in the final burial match. Um, a couple things here. I thought the match looked a little long mm-hmm. uh, for what it was. Agreed. It was buried, basically a buried alive match or casket match. And the rules weren't explained so well. But then again, I kind of put it on Tony Schiavone, who was tripping all over his words at the beginning of the show, during the pre-show. I don't understand why. Because what we were led to believe in the pre-show is that you had to bring your opponent up to the stage, put them in the casket, shut and lock the casket, yeah. lower it into the ground, and put dirt on it. Because there was a whole mountain. There was a whole gravesite up there. That's the whole point of having the shovel up there. But at the end of the day, all you had to do was put your, like, at the end of the day, and how he won it, Jungle Boy got Christian Cage in the casket, shut the lid, and it just dropped down into the grave, and a bunch of smoke came up. (laughs) But I do want to point out, before he closed the cage, he gives Christian a kiss on the forehead. Yeah. It's really weird. There was, yeah, that final moment where he was standing there, like, the delayed reaction before putting the casket door down was odd. And it almost kind of gave the vibe to me like this is Christian Cage's last match in AEW and he wanted to give like a final send off to him. And I think that's where the kiss from the forehead came for all the help that he's done with him. Since Behind he's been the there. scenes and stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's the only thing I could think of because otherwise it's like this is so awkward. It could have been. You could be absolutely right there. But at the end of the day, I did not hate the match. I just thought right. it was a little long for what it was just because, you know, obviously Christian's very limited still. It's not like he's a spring chicken anymore. Right, but right, right. I, for that matter, it was fine. It was entertaining. No mm-hmm. no problems, no qualms. Next up, six-man tag team extravaganza for the AEW World Trios Championships. Your champions, the elite, the, the elite, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks taking on the House of Black, Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews. This match got 18 minutes at the end of the day. And your new... AEW Trios champions, the House of Black. Um, I'm going to say this. This match melted the internet. Mm-hmm. We we looked at the internet, and I've been staying off the internet and stuff because I'm just, you know, I, you know sometimes you just got to take mute time. But we looked at it, and we were like, wow. You know, a lot of people are very excited. I, I This was a good match. Don't get me wrong. My problem and my one and only problem, and this is all I'm going to say, is that this was a paint-by-numbers elite match yep. until the finish. So if you watch this match back, the reason why I'm not over the moon about it, I still think it was a really good match. Mm-hmm. Second best match of the night uh, as far as the pay-per-view. Yeah, I can Second best that. match, in my opinion. However, however, I just think that I detracted some because I'm like, this is the same old shit from the Elite. If this was, and my problem is, is that there's a lot of fans out there that give a lot of passes out for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I understand everybody loves Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. But listen, they're wrestling the same match. There was no psychology behind this match. There was no nothing. And I don't, and I'm not one of those old school heads, as you know. Right. It has to have psychology for everything. But I would like to see a little something different sometimes. Like really, was I missing something or am I correct as far as the match goes? You could call this the best of eight series 
And it, it, like th- you've seen the same match so many times already. And it's nothing against the Bucks and Kenny. They're great. They're phenomenal performers. But it's the same match every time. The only thing that was different, and thank God it was different, is we finally got new champs because House of Black has deserved those belts since day one. The fact they didn't put them on at the end of the tourney is beyond me, but that's a whole different conversation. But for what we got, it was a great match, but it's the same old match. That's why I can't melt down about it. I'm not complaining. Yeah. I still thought it was great. It's very athletic, very entertaining. That's what they do, but I just feel like I've seen this match over and over again. And I know some people are going to be like, but Rich, is not the same match. That's fine. We can have differing opinions. Mm-hmm. I, you know, sure. It's not that I'm saying the match is bad. I'm just... I'm at a point where, like, the Young Bucks have a certain tag match they wrestle when they're wrestling tags, and it looks like the Elite has a certain... It's just... It is what it is. However, the finish of this match is phenomenal. You could write down five moves and check them off in each match. Like, that's how easy it is predictable. I would say even better, worse than that. You could actually li- list in order how the match is going to go. They're mm-hmm. going to open up strong. They're going to get cut off. They're then going to come back with some flashy moves. They're going to miss a flashy move, get get beat down. The team's going to get heat on them. Then they're going to come back. Once again, another baby face one. Get cut off. There's going to be a bunch of fall finishes and then it's going to go back and forth till the end where they either overcome miraculously or in this case the finish was the the house of black winning mm. by the way i like the like i said i love the finishes match yeah it was a very strong clean mm-hmm. clean victory can't stress that enough i like the fact that they won clean you got the black mask kick into that fucking toss up fucking spike slam i don't know what to fucking call it don't matter it's yeah. fucking great it was great. It was a great, great clean finish. I liked it. Uh, once again, not taking anything away from either team. Both teams went out there and busted their ass. Sure. It's just that I it's... just feel like it's the same match. Agreed. I just want to see something a little different. Next up, we had a three-way ch- match for the AEW Women's World Championship. Your champion, Jamie Hayter, defending against Soraya with Tony Storm in her corner. And, of course, Ruby Soho. This match got an even 10 minutes. At the end of the day, and still your AEW World's Women's Champion, Jamie Hayter. But that's not the story of this match. This match, and I I, I would need to separate this. So, mm-hmm. you know, indulge me. The match itself was very good. Right. I think this was Soraya's best performance in ring since return. I'll give you that. I'll go that far. Mm-hmm. I thought she did a phenomenal match. Ruby was good in this match. Jamie Hayter is proving once again why I think she should be your champion for a good long time. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they didn't take the belt off of her in some aspect. I'm glad because I'm a Jamie Hayter fan, and I think she's doing great things in the ring, and the crowd is definitely behind her. Here's where I have a problem, though. And mind you, if it would have sacrificed her title reign, I'd have been better off with it. So you run a whole match. Run a whole real triple threat match. Regular-ass triple threat match. Ruby Soho beating up on fucking Soraya. Ruby Soho beating up on Jamie Hayter. Why that's important is because after the match, Tony Storm and Soraya... Go ahead and start beating down Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. And then uh, Ruby Soho, who looks like she's struggling in the corner to pick a side, comes in and saves the day, tossing out both Soraya and Tony Storm. And it looks like she's joining. You know, she says, get out of our ring. This is our company. And as she's in the ring, she's there with Hayter. She delivers her little, di- you know, dynamite kick or the fucking. No hope, layer. I think it is. Yeah, I think they call it no hope. To. Jamie Hayter takes out also Britt Baker, and then she joins Soraya and Tony Storm as they hand her the spray paint, which was basically hair coloring, by the way, because mm-hmm. I've never seen a spray paint can look like that, but I've seen that stuff that changes your hair on Halloween look like that. Right. But I'm fine. It doesn't have to be. It is what it is. Paint. Anyways, she does the L on both of them. So my question from a logical fucking standpoint here, 
The match is good. Listen, us take nothing away from the match. Happy Jamie Hater's champion. But the match is fine. It was good. Really good match. Mm-hmm. Thought it was one of the best women's matches, period, at AEW. Just I'll agree with, no, I'll agree with you on that. However, if you're doing the turn, it doesn't make any sense when Soraya doesn't win and Ruby doesn't win. It doesn't make any sense when after the match, she turns, you know, does the fake turn and then turns, you know, fake side and then turns on them. It makes no sense when Soraya doesn't become champion. Because so the whole time you were on that side and then you decided to, you know, wrestle for it. Or you just made that split second decision, which makes no sense. Neither none of it makes sense. It's make a bad. It, it's a bad optic. Let me say this to you: make it make sense to me. No, I can't because it's a bad optic. It doesn't make sense that you go through that long of a match, and if you're going to do the turn, you don't do anything to help Soraya. You don't do anything involving it because after the match, you're making it sound like you made a rash decision. That if you want to get out of this for whatever reason, you're going to do it on Wednesday. So there's real, no, there's really no substance to it. It is just bad timing, and it took away from a match, which was great. And I do agree with this. Soraya is best match since she's been in, in quite some time. I mean, obviously, even in her uh, latter half when she was wrestling in WWE, this, is, this was a phenomenal match for her. I thought Jamie Hayter looked amazing in this, and even Ruby looked great. They had time to work, and they were telling a great story. But the story ending was not good in the fact that you just telegraphed the ending by having Ruby join whatever you're going to call that faction. And she just wrestled and was fighting both of them like she was on no side. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's it's confusing. I'm lost. I don't understand it. Make it make sense. Next up, Texas Deathmatch. John Moxley takes on Hangman Adam Page. 24 minutes and 45 seconds at the end of the day. Your winner, Hangman Adam Page, via submission. We'll talk about the finish in a minute because I like the finish of this match. I like the finish a lot. Mm-hmm. First of all, this is the second longest match of the night, only being beat by the Iron Man match, which has to be longer. Yes. So this is your second longest match of the night. In the kind of death match this was, which, like I said, I take away what I said last week. It is a baby death match. <laughs> you know, they use some barbed wire. They use some chairs. You know, like, it's 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 not the light tubes, glass extravaganza that we're used to seeing in death matches if you watch death sure. match wrestling. And I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. As a matter of fact, there was a lot of people on the internet that did not like this death match, so I guarantee they would not like a real death match. Mm-hmm. So it's fine that they didn't bring it in. Uh, the little two little bricks was kind of weird because <laughs> it doesn't really yeah. make a difference. Um, the match was fine, though. I enjoyed the match. I just think that you could have probably knocked 10 minutes off of this match. And still gotten the same result. It wasn't like it gave us anything extra for them guys to go out there and scrape themselves with uh, snipped barbed wire. And the only reason I say it was snipped is because we watched him rake it across Adam Cole's back and it didn't shred his back. If you've watched any death matches where they use real barbed wire, we you know what the barbed wire does to somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. It just, it's one of those optics. It's like, it's like what we say when we watch people slap on UFC MMA style uh, submission holds. Right. You know what the real hold looks like if you watch MMA. So it doesn't look good when you're faking it. Just like if you've ever seen a real death match and nothing, once again, nothing against this match. I want to be very clear about that because I thought they did a good job for what it was and I think I, I actually applaud AEW for not going too deathmatchy yeah. uh, because they shouldn't. They're a big national company and you've already divided the audience because there was uh, quite a bit of AEW fans that were not happy with this match and were not happy with the blood and spilled there even though they love blood and guts and different things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But you saw it on the line. There was some backlash. I didn't have any backlash. So I thought it was fine. 
I just think you should have made it a little shorter because at times it got too drug out. And at one point in juncture, it was like fucking last man standing rules. But then he wins by hanging uh, Moxley, Moxley over the top rope with a rusty chain and yeah. for the submission, which I like the ending. Don't get me wrong. I did like the ending, although Moxley putting the chain on himself was weird. Yeah, like they. The, okay, don't get me wrong. I did. I had no problem with this match. Thought it was very, very solid. I do agree with you. It went too long because I think the problem here is Paige and Moxley were really trying to make this into some real, like, huge event instead of just having a match with a great story. And I think that the more you saw them start elevating the quote-unquote risks, like I say, with the bricks, and then getting the barbed wire and trying to do the back rake, but when nobody bleeds, you kind of telegraph that. I really think that they just added too much time on to tell something they could have said very short and sweet. And I think the ending was a little confusing too because of how a traditional Texas death match is. So I think it they just were doing too much. And it's like you almost want to say just have the kiss method and it would have been fine. Agreed. Agreed. I also want to point out during this match when the, when the, when the bricks – they're, they weren't very big. Not a cinder block, bricks. We said it right. Yeah, normal-sized bricks. Uh, when, when they got brought in, it was Moxley giving the curb stomp to Hangman Page, which elicited a majority of that audience to start singing Seth Rollins' music. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a fucking misstep. You can't do that. And I understand that's Mox's boy. I know that they're still friends. That's not a big, huge secret. And I'm sure he did it as a nod to his friend. Sure, Absolutely. but... Absolutely. I'm sure mm. Seth was watching and rooting on his friend Mox. I'm... Uh, uh, Honestly, I'm sure, because they're all friends. It's not bullshit. Yeah, yeah. However, when you get the crowd starting to chant somebody who works for your rival promotions music, I don't think that works out so well for you. No, it definitely didn't. And it it took more away from the match. Like I, I like I say, I'm happy Hangman Page won, but I'm also going this could have been a lot cleaner and a lot tighter. Next match was for the AWTNT Championship. Your champion, Samoa Joe, taking on Wardlow. This match got 10 minutes and 40 seconds at the end of the day. Wardlow wins and is your new AEWTNT champion after a technical submission is how they wrote it. No, it was just a fucking submission. He choked him out with, uh, with the, the, the clutch. So he beat Samoa Joe with his own finish. And it was an interesting ending. It wasn't a bad match, but after the 24-minute match before it, these guys weren't going to up that ante, so I felt bad for where they were on the card. Mm. It wasn't a bad match, but it wasn't anything to really write home about either. Least favorite match of the night. I really not think... Not due to either guy. It's say. not due to either. It was just timing-wise. And plus, I mean, it's a little telegraphed, too, because now they're finally separating the Ring of Honor titles from the TNT title. So you, you knew Wardlow was winning. So it was already kind of telegraphed. Because they're already starting to film TV for Ring yeah, of Honor. Yeah. Well, next up, we had the four-way tag team extravaganza for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Your champions coming in, the Guns, Austin Gunn and Colton Gunn, taking on the acclaimed Anthony Bowens and Max Caster, Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, or as Sanjay Dutt called them, Triple J. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, the last team, Orange Cassidy and Danhausen. And this match got 13 minutes and 35 seconds. At the end of the day, the Guns are still your AEW World Tag Team Champions. And I'm going to give the call the credit in the world. I thought the Guns looked amazing in this match. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I've ever come out of a match that they've been in, whether it's a, a regular tag team match or a multiple man, and gone, wow, these two guys impressed. And that new finisher, yeah. which they're calling the 310 to Yuma, was, was pretty cool. Yeah, not going to lie. They impressed me too. I, I'm, I'm going to say it. I, the ass boys are are, are uh, impressing me now. 
I, I, I hope they continue. That's the whole thing. They need to continue. But if they impressed me in this match, and kudos to retaining those titles. I'm going to make a bold statement after we talk about the ending of this match. Well, I know what your bold statement is going to be, and I hope that I, I, and I hope that happens. So listen, and I'll let you claim it, though, but I kind of have a feeling. I'll let you go, because after this match was over, mm-hmm. they asked boys, get on the microphone. We were wondering why Renee was coming out. Yeah. And it's like, well, there's got to be something happening. So they asked boys to get on the microphone, and you know what? Give them credit. Time to get on the mics, too. This is the first they've time they've been working. They've been putting in some I don't work. Know. They've been putting in work, and I'm going to give them all the kudos in the yep. world. And basically said, "Hey, we beat everybody. We beat them all. We beat FTR. We beat the fucking you know acclaimed. We beat f- swerving our glory. You fucking put them in front of us. We beat them, <laughs> and we're the tag champions. We're the best tag team in the world. And when that happened, familiar music hit as the FTR's music hit, mm-hmm. and out comes Dax and Cash, which everybody's surprised about. Great pop, sure." They hit the ring, and we get a brawl between the Ass Boys and the FTR. Uh, somehow, Dax gets busted open the hard way. Yeah. But they do give the Shatter Machine to Colton mm-hmm. at the end of the day. so Or sorry, not Shatter Machine, the big rig. I, can't, I have to remember, it's not the Shatter Machine there. So, now we have FTR. They held up the belts at the end. Mm-hmm. Then they toss them to the champs like that are on the ground after being defeated. So, I'm only assuming we still don't know their decision. They're still saying they don't have a decision. However, at least we might get one more tag match with the the Guns versus the FTR. What's your thoughts about FTR coming in? And uh, I would like to hear your predictions. The Guns are going to beat FTR and send them packing from AEW. That is my prediction. I got this weird feeling that FTR is coming in to put them over on the way out, which, listen, is the proper thing to do. And I think after this match, I was more impressed with the Guns and how they carried themselves. It looks like they've really put in some work. So if they get the rub and get a huge win over FTR, I think the whole notion that we all thought they were going to be transitional champs, which, I mean, let's face it, we all thought that when that was first going down, I think is now getting wiped away a little bit. The only thing that might hold this up is, depending on the contract status of FTR, we don't know what it is. Last we all heard, it's still rumored April they're up. But things can change. We're not on that side of the business uh, aspect. But for right now, what I'm seeing, I'm going to say right now, I think the Guns have a new uh, finisher, and I think they're going to put on a hell of a match on Dynamite when this goes down, unless they do a battle for the belts in between. I don't know when the next one is coming up because I don't keep track of that. Yeah, sometimes it's confusing because I don't always see when it's happening. I'm just trying to look here. So what makes this even more interesting is everything going down, okay, is that so last night we had – you know, them return there. Mm-hmm. Today, being Monday when we record, or sorry, it was last night technically she tweeted it, but uh, Kathy Kelly, works for WWE, put a little tweet out that, I don't know if you saw this, says, flying to Raw. Ooh. FTR. Well, it got a retweet from Uncle Dax with a picture of the revival huh. with the Raw tag team titles, and it says FTR in a down line. Interesting. <laughs> uh, it's there's a lot of stuff going on, folks. This is one of the best stories in Red. I don't really care, honestly. As long as they get used right, I don't care where FTR is. Same. As long as I get to see the FTR in some great tag team matches until they call it quits, I don't give a fuck if it's for WWE, New Japan, AAA, AEW, DDG, Game Changer Wrestling. I don't care. I just want to see them get their due. I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, they are the best tag team in the business, and they definitely deserve to be treated like that. And I want to say this. TK, you heard the fucking pop. 
Yeah. Do the right thing, brother. Get the job done. Get them signed and make them feel special. And if you can't do it, they're going to leave. That's mm-hmm. the bottom line. That's all I'm saying. We aren't going to speculate anymore on that. I just wanted to bring up if you didn't see the Kathy Kelly thing. I saw that earlier. No, I didn't see that. That is That's, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so if you've been keeping track, there's only one more match we could talk about. And it was for the AEW World Championship in a 60-minute Iron Man match. Your champion coming in, Iron Max. MJF, that was what the back of his fucking robe said. Mm-hmm. Taking on the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. This match didn't get an hour. We'll talk about it more in a minute. It got one hour, five minutes, and 20 seconds. At the end of the day, winning four falls to three in sudden death overtime. And still your AEW World Champion, MJF. Let's start. Let's talk about the match. Okay. Yeah, let's not get to overtime. Let's go through it. Uh, this match was very good. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. My match of the night for AEW. Um, it kept my attention. The only problem I have with this match was there were some pacing issues. Yes. I think that they had a weird pace going. Uh, they were going forward, pulling back, going forward. But I did, when the action was on, it was great action. There was a couple times where they stopped and the lulls didn't make sense. MJF took too many water breaks for my liking. Uh, yes. I know somebody's going to be like, whatever. And I know that that's what he would say. But like, bro, Dan, Brian Danielson took zero water breaks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't see him drink a single sip of water. And MJF went through six bottles easy. Yeah. Uh, of course, that's not the water in question because very early in the match, MJF threw a cup of water on a young boy in the crowd. Yeah. On purpose, which caused a fucking shitstorm from what we understand. Now, there is an unstantiated un- rumor. We can't we can't say, but some people have reported on it because if only above what people around were saying mm-hmm. that it wasn't water, that it was some beverage mixed with tequila. Yeah. So it might have been alcohol, allegedly. Allegedly, it may have even burned the young man's eyes. We can't say that that was real because that is just coming from other people reporting on it, and they're getting their their information second or third hand. Right. No official report came out that it was anything but water, but. I just want to throw it out there because there was a possibility it wasn't water. Mm. It wasn't his mother's hand, so it wasn't like it had to be water. And it wasn't a cup. So anyways, uh, from what we understand, AEW staff instantly, giving them credit, got to the kid. Amanda Huber ended up coming from the back out even. Uh, She wasn't the first there. There was other people on the scene first. And trying to squall it, because I guess the mother was fucking pissed, which I would be pissed yeah, too if that was my kid. I can't blame her. it wasn't an older kid. Like, if it's my 17-year-old and somebody throws water on, I'm going to laugh. It's not going to bother me. Mm-hmm. But this kid, I, I don't know his exact age. I would say if if he was in his teens, in my teens, I would mean like 12 or 13. Yeah, he was young. He he wasn't older than 13. Right. I, would, I dare say this kid was like 10. I thought he was like 10. But he could be as I, I don't think he's older than thirteen. So this is a young kid. This is a whole nother ball game. Listen, as much as I like MJF, and as much as I love how he gets heat, there has to be a fucking line. Yeah. The problem here is is stance. Whether it was alcohol or not is irrelevant. I mean, it's relevant to the point that you could open yourself up to a lawsuit if it was alcohol. Mm-hmm. You could open yourself up to a lawsuit if it's water. It does when you come in like I love how Tony Khan and we've made fun of it before puts that blanket statement on the screen about how if you get hurt you're it's on you. That's not how the law works, my friend. Right. And trust me, you rented the building. The building isn't going to back you. Mhm. You are on the hook for it. Any lawyer will tell you that that statement means fucking shit. 
Right. Because let something happen to a fan. Something serious. Trust me, death matches, you have the same shit. You have the same problems. Like on a smaller scale. Thankfully, mm-hmm. death match fans are a little crazy. Once again, though, you don't see too many kids up front for a death right. match. Right. People are smarter about it, for the most part. I'm sure that it's happened. But mm-hmm. for the most part, in my vantage, I haven't seen it. Here's the thing, man. You have to be smarter than this. Yeah. You have to be. And I get his character. And I love what he does with said character. But throwing water on a non-plant fan could have cost you a lot. Now, what we know to be fact is that the kid definitely got an acclaimed foam finger. (laughs) Uh, We were told that he got a lot more than that. Yes. Like Tony Khan didn't go into specifics, but they say, the one specific he did go in is that young man will be at Dynamite in Sacramento this Wednesday. And I'm sure that's on the company. I'm sure he didn't have tickets prior. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure he's going to have good seats, too. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he's going to be treated like a king, and that's fine. I, I applaud, and once again, I applaud AEW for all they did here. Like, I don't think, I think there's too many people running their mouths on the internet about the situation and not applauding the company for going, okay, shit happened. We took care of it. Yeah. They did. You know, Amanda Huber went out there, from what I understand, consoled the kid. He was fine because he, kid was in hysterics from what we understand. Mother was pissed because the kid was in hysterics. So I'm assuming they came off. But, you know, this could have ended a lot differently. If that was a litigious person, they could have sued the fuck out of you. Mm -hmm. True story. That's the whole thing. I mean, I understand he was trying to get heat, but that's not the way to do it. Do it on an adult, though. Yeah, like what? I mean, you still can get in trouble, but as an adult, nobody would give a fuck. Right. Doing it to a kid that's there just trying to watch the show, that was a bad look. That was just entirely unexcusable. You could have thrown it on the mother. Yeah. I mean, it's a bad look to do it to a woman as well. I mean, I get it, but it's 2023. Most people wouldn't have cared. Right. But at least she's an adult. Yeah. To do it to, like, I was dumbfounded there was a child. We both went, what the fuck was that? Yeah. No, that like I say, I thought it was a plant, to be honest with you, because I'm like, I go, why? I knew it wasn't a plant. It's too young. Right. But that was the thing. I was like, I hope, like you say, you watch it and you're like, I, there's got to be a plant, because it's like, what would possess you to do that to a kid that's there watching the show? And I understand you want to get heat, but still, there, there's a, there's a line there that he needed to walk, and he didn't. And, like, listen, you know my stance on AEW. I will applaud Tony and company for getting on top of this and trying to make this as right as possible after an egregious mistake by your top performer. Yeah, this is just whatever. I don't, I don't want this to take away from the match. I just think it needed to be addressed. Oh, absolutely. And and I guess Tony said at the press conference, he said he chewed fucking MJF out. And I, I, I want to believe it. I hope it's true. He should have. He should have. Like, honestly, he should have shut in front of everybody at that scrum. He should have dressed him down. I get it. It's not as professional. But however, and, and, and listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna promise you this. That shit wouldn't fly in World Wrestling Entertainment. No, he would have been released this morning. Well, not only would he have been released, he'd have been lucky if Triple H had come down and beat the piss out of him. Yeah. That night during the match. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people were even insinuating that. Like, you have to understand, as a company, as a business, that opens you up to a lot of shit. Like, even if it's water, what if a fucking piece of ice gets in that kid's eye? Yeah. What if, like, there's a lot of what ifs. And, like, if it was liquor, which, once again, it's not, that's why I don't want to spread it, but that is out there that it possibly was some kind of liquor. That's fucking dangerous. And that's neglect for a child. Like, you have to be careful. You don't know what's in that fucking cup. Exactly. As a performer, you don't know unless it's a plant. And it wasn't a plant. (laughs) And there's no reason to do it then. You have to stay in check. You have to stay in check because once again, there's people out there that are trying to make money. Mm-hmm. This is a very litigious nation here in the United States for the, our international listeners. Yeah, 
Like, there's guys who will try. The, the guy that fucking attacked Seth Rollins tried to sue the WWE. Mm-hmm. He jumped the barricade and attacked Seth Rollins. He tried to sue the WWE. That's right. You heard me. Yeah. He, you heard me. And in some states, believe it or not, he'd have won. Isn't it weird? Because let me tell you a little fun fact about the United States for our international listeners or even for people who don't keep up with the law. Somebody can break into your house in some most states, not even some, most states, somebody can break in your house and cut their hand on a knife on your counter and sue you for damages. You heard me. Break into your house, rob your house, cut their hand, get arrested for robbing your house, but still sue you and win against your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance, or if you don't have that, against you for damages because they cut their hand on a knife. Now, mind you, they broke into your house. (laughs) You didn't welcome them in. They were not a guest. They did something illegal to be there. However, that is still a thing in this country. That's why you have to be careful as a company. I was, I, I, listen, I'm not as mortified because as you know, jokingly, I will say, fuck them kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in all honesty, though, if I was running the show, even in the indies, oh my God. And we saw some shit. If it's a grown ass adult, eh, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Exactly. I've seen that. I've seen guys get knocked out at independent shows. I have too. You know, but you know what? If you want to take a swing at a wrestler, you better be ready to tell you, you know, challenge for the crown, brother. Mm-hmm. And it happens. All right. However... You know, when you, as a wrestler, though, if even in an indie show, even with adults, you have to fucking, if you throw something in someone's face and they fucking haul off and knock you the fuck out, that's on you, bro. Yeah. That's on you. You did that. And I mean, with a child, it's a lot worse. Once again, second biggest company. This is not an independent show. <laughs> this is a big company. You guys have to be careful. Do not get sued. Thankfully, the kid was a fan. His mom's a fan. And it looks like uh, the, the shit that you gave the kid is, is good enough. Yeah. Maybe you should have just given him the belt. Just go throw it out there. Get a new belt. Give them the... Whatever. <laughs> Anyways, I'm glad that the young man is fine, though. Yes, That's me too. News, so. uh, let, now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's talk about continue talking about the actual match. But that happened so early in the match, it was better off to get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, once again, this match, there were some cool things. The one logical point of this match that I really, really enjoyed, but then I got I to gotta go back to the fact that they should have stuck with it. Was there was a point in this match where after like there was a long period before there was a pinfall, which was fine. I like that. But then MJF does a low blow, which causes a disqualification. But then he rolls up Danielson for for one pinfall. And then he covers him real quick again and gets two. So he two for one him, which I thought was ingenious. Mm-hmm. Later in the match, though, MJF does his little stump puller uh, uh, pile driver from the rope. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. People at home probably know as well. And he gets a pinfall on Brian Danielson. He could have gotten another pinfall just because Danielson plays dead for like the next three minutes Mm -hmm. as MJF goes outside and enjoys a water break. Yeah. So I'm like, man, you brought this great logic to the ring to get a double pin because it's legal. And then you don't do it again when you're only up by one. Yeah, it was just it was puzzling how many times he went for a water break. Like I can get going a few times, but like you touched on it, it seemed like you went at least six times. And that's just taken away from the match a little bit, especially in that situation where he could have got multiple pins and been up and really had a substantial lead going into the latter half of that match. So let's talk about going to the finish. Number 3-3, great, great action. I loved the fact that he was in the the single leg crab Mm -hmm. for like a minute and a half at the end and doesn't, he taps out after, like literally, great. The bell rings and then he tapped. So it was perfect. So he doesn't get the tap out. We're going to a draw. 
They bring out the paramedics. They got the paramedics have ice bags. They got the oxygen tanks. They got water. Both guys are down. I, I thought this was cool. You know, we get the announcement that hey, the match is a draw, so you're so there's no winner, but still champion MJF. The crowd starts chanting, "This is bullshit." Mm. Uh, the one thing I don't like here is that uh, we at home get the privilege of we get to hear Tony Schiavone in his headset going, "Huh? Okay, yeah, I understand." Oh, oh, I'll absolutely go down and t- say that. And he's like, oh, excuse me, guys, I got to go. And he goes to the ring and he tells Justin Roberts and uh, uh, Bryce Remsburg, who's the referee for the match, says, basically, because you could overhear him on the camera, like, Tony Khan tells me that this is not the way we're going to end this match. So we're going to go back for sudden death. So then mm-hmm. Justin Roberts, of course, goes, you know, does the whole big, well, we've just been informed by Tony Khan that... He's not going to let this end this way, so we're going to sudden death overtime. First pinfall or submission wins the match. And the crowd goes nuts. I would have just preferred, because Tony comes out any fucking way. Yeah. Just Tony come out and say, you know, as much as sometimes I hate hearing him public speak, there's just too much shit going on. He should have just come, hey, hey, everybody. Hey, hey. This isn't going to stand. We're not one of those horrible companies. We don't do non-finishes. You know what? Start the match back up. Sudden death. Boom. Yeah. Ring the bell. Would have been a lot easier. And, and I would have liked it better. I'm not going to lie. Well, yeah, it just, it just was too much added drama for an event that just needed one more sentence and get going. Yeah, and I thought Tony Khan should have delivered it because it would have yeah. been perfect. Especially because there's the storyline that MJF keeps telling everybody he's leaving for WWE next year. Mm-hmm. And so it's a good way to make the owner look like, hey, I'm fucking with you because you're trying to leave my company. I think that's cool. Anyways, yeah. but I'm thinking ahead. So <laughs> we restart, and that's where it's fine. I love this finish, by the way. I love the extra five minutes, and I love the finish. Because we go back, Danielson gets him back in that single leg. Beautiful. By the way, for first, MJF tries to get him with the diamond ring. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't work. And then Bryce Rumsberg takes the diamond ring. Perfect. Gets yeah. him in the single leg. MJF is trying to fight to the ropes. MJF, great at the fight to the ropes. He did it many times in the ring. He gets to the ropes, gets his hand on the rope, but as soon as he grabs the rope and Bryce goes to cut it, MJF starts tapping. And I was like, this is fucking ingenious. Mm-hmm. So Danielson lets him go. He puts his hands up. He drops to his knees. He thinks he's won the fucking match. MJF rolls to the outside of the ring. And Bryce is trying to tell Brian, no, he got to the ropes. Yeah. But Brian is like, oh. And then he starts arguing with Bryce. Well, and this is happening. MJF is now sitting outside the ring, and he looks frantic. Mm -hmm. And I loved how he looked. And he looks over, and he sees the oxygen tank. And he gets a smile. And he grabs the oxygen tank. And he's got that evil fucking look on his face. And Danielson now is coming over to get him. And as soon as Danielson leans out of the ring to get him, he fucking kabooms him with the oxygen tank. Gets in the ring and slaps Daniel Bryan, or Bryan Danielson, sorry, Freudian slip, yep. in the label lock. Yeah. And here's where I give kudos to AEW. First of all, I love the fact that they did the arm test. Mm-hmm. I love, because he's knocked out cold, you know, we or we think. So they do the arm test instead of just calling for the bell like everybody does. The three arm test, too, not the, oh, one and he's done. Which I, I hope they bring back full time. Because I, 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 this is why it works for story. So, because mm-hmm. he gets the two, and then all of a sudden the third one, and Danielson's fighting. He's got life back in him. He's got life back in him, folks. But he can't get out of the hold. Yeah. He's got it sunk in. And eventually, Brian Danielson taps. Yeah. Wild. And that, to me, I go, 
A, it was ingenious because mm-hmm. he still cheated to win. <laughs> but it still kind of gave you an error that he made Danielson tap. Yeah. So we are trying to make MJF this star. First of all, he hangs with Danielson for an hour plus. Mm-hmm. Secondly, you know, he had the lead for a good portion of the match. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, he used his noggin, cheated a little, but used his noggin, and he made Danielson tap out. So all over, I think this made a huge star out of it. I think this is the best case scenario, in my opinion. No, they definitely did a lot of cool ring psychology here. And I think that's what really helped this match get to where it was. Because going into this, we were really sure that MJF was going to be able to hang with Brian Danielson in a, in a straight-up wrestling match. He did. For the moments that they were involved, he did. And then once you get to that overtime, yeah, you start doing some very interesting finishes. And I love the fact that he grabbed the ropes and then tapped and Danielson got distracted, thought he won. It's little stuff like that that we don't usually see, in my opinion, on AEW. I loved it. I thought yeah. it was great. I thought it was great. And I kudos. Hats off to MJF. Hats off. If that was his idea or if it was Danielson's idea or if it was an agent's idea, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Tony's idea, whoever I don't know. did. But whoever allowed that shit to happen, it was, it was fucking great. Good job. Fucking kudos. Kudos all day. Uh, for a pay-per-view I thought was going to be a train wreck, it ended up being real good. Mm-hmm. Very good pay-per-view. Not saying it was fucking great. I know a lot of people gave it an A. That's yeah, fine. I gave it a B. I think that's good. I, didn't, I you know, Especially when I was coming in, I best I thought this was going to be a fucking D. Mm-hmm. You know, but overall, you asked me, I didn't think, because the problem is, other than the main event, I didn't think anything was like a great match. I just thought that it was really good. It was good to really good. There was nothing really bad, except the only match that wasn't bad was Wardlow versus Joe. Mm-hmm. It was flat because it came after the Texas Death Match. I thought they still did fine. It's just, I don't think that it was important in the grand scheme of things is where it fell. But it wasn't a bad match. I don't think there was a real bad match on the card. No, there wasn't. I gave it a solid B, too, as well. I thought that Wardlow's Samojo was the worst match tonight, but it wasn't anything against them. It was just time-wise. And I think that for some of the other matches, like the Christian Cage, Jungle Boy match, like Moxley and Page, I think they just went too long. And I think that's a fine balance that they need to figure out and just really tighten up because then it would have been a completely great card. And like I said, the only other negative thing was just the turn of Ruby after the match. Agreed. But once again, I'll give credit. One of the best women's matches we've seen. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the six way, even though it was more of a, a six man tag, uh, even though it was more of like a normal elite thing, still was a really good match. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Entertaining as shit. Great finish. Uh, I even want to get, you know, like I said, I'm giving the ass boys all the credit in the world. They fucking impressed me. Great. Good. For a four way could have been a cluster fucking it was. And it was a lot of fun. Love the finish. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, of course, FTR. I thought it was really good things. Uh, the only other thing I want to talk about before we get out of here and not waste any more time, because the, the scrum didn't have too many. <laughs> thankfully, it was, yeah. it was pretty uneventful for the most part, other than Tony kind of talking about, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the the incident, if you will. Yeah. And the only thing really came out of it was MJF. And this is where speculation starts to come. Because during the match and after the match, MJF audibly multiple times called himself the best in the world. Mm-hmm. Very adamantly. And during the press conference, the scrum, if you will, he was eating pickles, mocking CM Punk's scrum. Yeah. Your thoughts. Is this speculation that possibly Punk is coming back to take on MJF and maybe we are going to sing Kumbaya and everything's all good? Or is this just MJF being unchecked yet again doing what MJF wants to do? I think it's just him being unchecked. Because even they brought up about him throwing the liquid on the fan and he kind of brushed it off. He stayed in character. So I just think it's him just knowing that 
Although the second time he did call the kid salt of the earth. Yeah, okay. I, I missed that <laughs> one, but I only caught the first time. And, and the second time he called, he said that, because uh, they gave his name, which I do believe was Titus. Mm-hmm. And he said, Titus is salt of the earth. Yeah, real salt of the earth guy. Yeah. I was just kind of like, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, like I say, he was just acting a little odd, but at the same time, he stayed in character, and I think that he just really wanted to say, like, what are you going to do to me now? Yeah. And he was eating pickles. Yeah. Not, not muffins, but pickles. But yeah. 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 It was interesting. I'm just saying there's a lot of speculation now that maybe CM Punk's returning. Maybe. 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 But it's interesting. <laughs> oh, it definitely was interesting, but it was like... I don't know if you enter CM Punk back in the world title picture right away, but okay. You know, I've been wrong in the past, right? But I'm not about this. Yeah, because, I mean, the question now is where do we go from here? And I think the logical sense maybe is Hangman Adam Page, but who knows? That's how it's going to compare contracts, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, there's there's a lot of moving parts involved. A lot of moving parts, you know. I, I would say, you know, obviously you got Danielson. You beat Mox to win the belt, so I don't think Mox is coming back right now. Mm-hmm. He definitely took a loss to Hangman. So Hangman's logical. You could You could argue Kenny Omega maybe. Ricky Starks, but I don't know if they would. They already did that. Right. To an extent. They didn't do a full program. I agreed, but I don't think you're going to be able to do that right now. Right, right. Uh, I would say Wardlow, but they just strapped the TNT belt to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's going up against Will Hobbs on Dynamite, so I don't know what they're going to be doing there. I think Hobbs beats him. And probably. Uh, they're kind of separating the ROH guys. I know the Cesaro, sorry, Claudio is still around. But how much longer the ROH guy is going to be around? Because they're kind of separating them out. Mm-hmm. I think you're right with that's why the Samoa Joe move was made. So I don't know. Like I honestly, right now, I think it's Pager or Omega. Yeah, it's got to be somebody to put over the kid. I mean, I guess if you bring Punk back, you could do it, but then you have to have the kid win. Yeah, it's just a very unclear path. Absolutely. Well, you know what? We're under our hour and a half, so I guess we weren't lying when we said <laughs> it was a short it's not, show. It's not close to two. Well, folks, that's all we got this week. Uh, before we go, though, can I tell the fine folks one more time how to find yourself in the ODPH podcast? Keep it very short. Keep it very sweet. ODPHpodcast.com. And of course, if you're looking for me, 3FNpodcast.com. All the information is there as well. Well, Ken, another great week of pro wrestling action. Next week, we don't have a, we'll have more of an indie roundup as far as previewing shows because there's a few shows coming out the weekend after that are mm-hmm. real big. Also, uh, you know, we're on the road to WrestleMania. We'll be talking more. Like, I know that we could have talked about Roman and Cody and their build. Well, we're going to talk about that more next week because there's going to be a whole lot of time to talk about the build to WrestleMania. And I wanted to give the spotlight and the shine to AEW as they deserved it with a big pay-per-view that definitely was impressive, especially with on paper, we thought it was going to be a stanker. Mm-hmm. So I, and I, I have no problems admitting that. I have no problems admitting it was a good show. So, uh, you know, I feel, I felt like the, the spotlight should be there because obviously WWE is going to be basking in the sunlit glow of WrestleMania for the next few weeks uh, going into WrestleMania. And, of course, we'll be having that big, big, gigantic WrestleMania preview show. With that being said, folks, though, tune in next week where we'll have more pro wrestling news, our takes. We'll talk about some indie wrestling. We'll talk about some Japanese wrestling. We'll talk about AWWE and all that and more. As you know, we do here on 607TWS, and we always call it right down the middle. For myself, for Ken M, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And most importantly, later wrestling Take my hand
Top ropes, one, two. 